Our meditation for this Sexagesima Sunday is on our epistle reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18 through chapter 12, verse 9. Hear the word of our Lord. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aratas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Oh, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to gain by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, fourteen years ago, was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Question for you. Why are false teachers, cults, and bad denominations still around? No, really, this is a legitimate question. The Council of Nicaea was supposed to do away with Arianism, but Arians are still around, especially in the Jehovah's Witness community. The Reformation took place, and the Word of God was unchained, made accessible for everyone, but the papacy's errors persist, and so do the hundreds of millions of people who stay loyal to it. Walter Martin mightily exposed Mormonism as a cult with wicked, made-up doctrines, yet the Mormon Church's orders of magnitude larger than it once was. Discernment grifters, I mean ministries, have gone after the hyper-Pentecostals for years, but Bethel Redding is still growing, as are the quote-unquote YouTube prophets who give meaningless messages every day. Solid biblical interpretation is absolutely everywhere thanks to the rise of the internet, and there are more Bibles in print than ever before. Yet somehow Gnostic and Judaizing cults are on the rise after having been disproven for 18 centuries. Yet worse, theological liberalism and secular morality have absolutely infected what ought to be faithful Christian bodies. In other words, God has exposed every heresy or error that has confronted the church. But bad people still teach them, and decent people still fall for them. What gives? What changed? Shouldn't we at this point in church history have finally triumphed over all these bad teachings? Well, first let me be clear that false teaching never dies, and we will have to contend with it until Christ returns. When the false teacher is definitively disproved, he goes right back on his merry way, deceiving anyone who will listen to him, as though he had not heard a word contradicting his errors. When the false teacher dies, his followers pretend he is a martyr and spread further chaos. When the false teacher's group disappears, it is only a matter of time before some other guy shows up teaching the same thing. And predictably... A certain number of people, even former Christians, will eat it up, forget everything they knew previously, and find themselves burning in hell one day. In our reading today, St. Paul notices that same dynamic happening, and it frustrates him to no end so immensely. A certain group of teachers that he calls the super-apostles has wormed their way into the Corinthian congregation, men who had fake qualification for the offices they claimed. But oh, how the Corinthian Christians embraced whatever they were told by these charlatans. With every word of our reading, we can practically hear the frustration that St. Paul is feeling. We don't know the exact nature of their doctrine, only that they attacked St. Paul and other faithful ministers to prop themselves up and claim that they were the true servants of our Lord. We do know that this passage was written because the believers St. Paul writes to fell hook, line, and sinker for whatever they were saying. 
After all the work he put in helping these new believers, they run off listening to men who slander him while trying to pilfer their money. So why does this problem never get solved? We see it in 2 Corinthians. We see it today. Why do people accept heretical teachers and abusive teachers so readily? Well, certainly one answer is that the devil never sleeps and he never quits deceiving people. But this would clearly answer why false religions keep going, not why Christians keep falling out of faithfulness and into the arms of theological bastards. We have disproven every bad teaching there is with pastors and theologians working tirelessly to educate believers against it to the point of holding services and lessons every day. But people still go for these things. Beloved, that means the problem is found with us. Our epistle reading today highlights a great and tragic dynamic in the churches. People have an instinct for slavery and a love for slavers. You could also call it spiritual hypergamy. We have to admit this about ourselves. There is a part of us that wants a guy to show up, act like he is better than everyone, and then proceed to treat us all like trash. Our inborn desire for authoritative teaching gets distorted whenever we see someone preaching as though they had authority. If they excuse our sins, make us feel special, or even promise some orderly way of life, we all clap like baby seals and submit to the horrible life they actually have in store for us. Don't believe me? Look up Jim Jones in the People's Temple. Look up what he got away with doing to these people, and they never rebelled. Sad to say it, we do this at the expense of teachers who rely on the word alone. We ditch them for the pastoral bad boys, like an ex-girlfriend leaving the nice guy for a jerk. St. Paul laments that the Corinthian church listens to open fools who boast in their flesh and boss the Corinthians around. He says that the congregation happily bears abuse, even being made slaves and suffering violence, so long as their tormentors can boast in something. From the passage, the false apostles boast in their Hebrew lineage. They boast in their Israelite history. They boast in being servants of Christ, without serving anyone but themselves. They won't shut up about how persecuted they have been. Oh, it's been so hard making the ministry into some victimhood contest rather than simply doing their job. They bring up their spiritual experiences, their eloquence, and their education as though that actually counted for anything. They are always comparing themselves to other teachers rather than comparing what they say to the Bible's teachings. It is clear that whatever authority they claim is illegitimate because their authority is not based on the word of God rightly taught, and they will have nothing to do with the gospel, it's all about fake worldly qualifications. Yet here the Corinthians are, eagerly lapping up these false teachers like thirsty dogs at a pond. Everything that St. Paul says is total trash to him, they see as treasure when these men come around. Now, we do the same thing, beloved. 
How many Christians out there have been suckered into believing the myth of so-called Judeo-Christian values just because some guy in a yarmulke was invited to preach at their church? How many Christians went along with ordaining women simply because the nice old man with Master of Divinity on his business card said it was okay? How many believers were deceived into giving all their money to the prosperity Pentecostals just because they got scared when Bob Tilton said they'd be sick forever if they didn't donate some seed money? Too many, that's for sure. But it does not stop there, as too many are falling for the first chest-thumping, anti-woke preacher out there whose entire selling point is that he is aggressive and nothing more. Certainly, he makes people upset, but he's an empty suit. So the modern church is in no place whatsoever to judge the Corinthians. We do the same stinking thing. The apostle wrote the word of God under inspiration by the Holy Spirit, and all of the apostles were given authority by our Lord Jesus to go out and spread the gospel. Having spent three years and even more learning at the feet of our Savior, they were eminently qualified beyond any preacher today. Yet when they preached, they preached from the scriptures, not according to their lofty position or their magnificent titles. St. Peter did not appeal to his high IQ. St. James did not blather on about how great his Jewish heritage was, and St. John did not brag about his eloquence. In our reading, it is evident that St. Paul only brings up the boasting he could make because of the folly of the Corinthians. He utterly hates having to do so. They relied on the word, they preached the word, and they invited all those whom they taught to read the word as well. The church, being full of sinners, doesn't like this very much. We were born in sin, and there is always going to be a part of us who wants a minister that treats us sinfully. God have mercy on us all. Even those, by the way, who would say they are on our side, like me, can have that habit. What, did you think I consider myself immune to it? The Catacomb Synod is designed such that I cannot do what these false teachers do. Give a man a shred of spiritual authority and he will be tempted to abuse it. The congregationalism you see in this house church network is designed to put a muzzle on me, lest I be tempted to mislead those whom I am to serve. Not that I would be like the false apostle St. Paul complains about, at least I hope not, but by God's grace this whole project is designed that we never have to find out. Your deacon has authority over the house church, I am merely the director, the minister fulfilling the office of the word and providing resources so that you can be independent from the system of abuse perpetuated all throughout the church. Though he was eminently and truly qualified according to any worldly standard, St. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him from, quote, becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. On my end, I was given a short leash and a muzzle, and I need it. Praise God for the short leash and the lack of uh, temporal authority over believers. I'm here to serve you, and I shouldn't be allowed to start calling the shots over your life. 
But now we get to the good news. The bad teachers persist, and they seem to rule the roost for now, but our Lord does not tolerate this terrible dynamic forever. St. Paul writes, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is not that St. Paul is actually weak. He does not follow the inverted morality of those who worship being pitiful. To the contrary, he says it is for the sake of Christ. By consenting to his rule over the ministry, St. Paul gives God complete control over the results and fruits of his labors. Doing that means God will work clearly and fully without having to first deal with the impediments of human vanity. The blessed thing is, God works victory this way. The same God who promises salvation to all baptized believers shall not grant false teachers their desire to rob us all of our promised reward. He humiliates the heretics and ensures that only self-loathing fools would follow them. Don't believe me? Simply ask yourself, do we have any of the names of the false apostles from 2 Corinthians? Does anyone remember them or their teaching or their accomplishments? No. Only St. Paul remains after that struggle. For 2,000 years, his writings and good reputation persist, while theirs are dust and ashes. For 2,000 years, Christians have been blessed and edified by the apostles' writings, while those who contended with him in his day have been brought to nothing. The same will eventually be said for the modern false teachers. They may persist for a while, but God shall protect his flock and let the charlatans be forgotten. Few people, after all, remember Tetzel or his outlandish statements on the efficacy of indulgences. C.I. Schofield's subversion will be forgotten. Rob Bell's legacy will wither. Beth Barr will be a curio for distant historians. As their influence wanes, more and more people will convert to a Christianity that is perhaps smaller than it once was, but it will be more vigilant, more devout, and more earnest than what we have seen in the mainstream. Right now, the invisible body of Christ is small, persecuted, and weak. But in that weakness, God's strength shines forth, and with it, he will ensure ultimate victory for us. No matter how frustrating things can be, surrounded by bad teachers and false believers, we will have the last laugh. Christ has promised to return one day for judgment in which all the lies, all sins, all manipulations, and all of the perversions shall be destroyed forever. Our Lord hates the way these slimy, deceitful, and greedy men and women have led so many astray. So he has promised to cleanse this world. He will clear away the ungodly by fire and bring us to a blessed eternity where we do not have to worry about such threats. This entire earth will burn, as once it had been flooded. 
For those false apostles and the foolish people who followed after them, they cannot turn to their money or their reputation or their qualifications to save them from this judgment. They, too, will burn if they do not repent. In the meantime, we are called to two things highlighted in this passage. Let us conclude with this. So that we might live in the victory of the truth, which is like the kingdom of God already but not yet. Like St. Paul, who we ought to be imitating, we must find it madness and foolishness to boast in some worldly qualifications. Not only must we shun doing it ourselves as we embrace humility, but we must find anyone else bragging about this or that to be suspect. Also, like St. Paul, we must not presume ourselves sufficient for all truth by whatever reputation we might have. We know our weakness and our dependence on God, so it is necessary to let him be our strength in all spiritual matters and allow his word to speak for itself. We must study the scriptures and the right doctrine which comes from them and find teachers whose authority rests on the word and the word alone, mind you. By the grace of our Lord, may I be such for you. Now the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.